Welcome back to another episode on the Family Alpha Podcast. I am your host, Zachary Small. Today, I am joined by Philip Capaldi, longtime fraternity of excellence brother. He's one of the OGs, but he is a man who has literally transformed himself, the identity of who he is now from who he was. You know, the man I met is not the man today. It is the same man, but it's the work he's done, the reps he's put in on himself with his family, his hobbies, his focus on his finances, his career trajectory. Everything in life is about this man has changed and improved. Today, he breaks it down in this Fraternity of Excellence Friday series where how he got to where he is, as well as how he's maintaining that focus and how he's using a brotherhood of men, of like-minded men that are focused on being excellent in every aspect of their life to help him get himself where it is he's trying to go. So if you enjoy these series, stay tuned because we've got a lot of men coming out of the fraternity. A lot of them aren't content creators. As you'll learn about Philip, he's not a content creator per se. He is a photographer. And he is an active community member, but he's not one of those guys that you really see on Twitter dropping threads and shit like that. And so I'm proud to bring you him as well as many others who you may not have heard of, but these men will help you help yourself. With all that said, let's dive into this episode with Philip Capaldi on the Family Alpha Podcast. This is what makes men, men. We're men, right? Indeed we are, sir. Welcome to another episode of the Family Alpha Podcast. This is where Zachary Small is working to keep masculinity in men, in marriages, and in all fathers. The information shared here is meant to be applied. We're changing the world one man at a time. Now, let's get into the episode with Zach Small on the Family Alpha Podcast. Welcome back to another episode on the Family Alpha podcast. We have another Fraternity Friday going on, and today I am joined by the Philip Capaldi. Philip, welcome to the podcast. What's going on, brother? Thank you, Zach. Uh, just enjoying a Friday and uh, looking forward to sharing a little bit about my story and kind of sharing about you know the journey and and what it's taken to to get to where I am and where I want to go. I'm pumped, man. You know, inside the Fraternity of Excellence, we've had a front row seat to your journey. And, you know, you and I crossed paths years ago. And since then, we've done a lot of cool things together. We've done a lot of cool things individually. But one of the things that's always impressed me, and even to the point of talking to you before we hit record here, your your photography development, the things that you picked up, the hobbies that you've had, you know, I didn't even talk about jujitsu, but we'll, we'll probably dive into that. But the things that you've become from where I knew who you were to who you are, it's night and day. And so I wanted to talk about that journey. I wanted to talk about the role that having a brotherhood and having accountability played in that. But most importantly, your mindset that went into making these changes, because I believe that as individuals listen to this podcast, they might find themselves in who you were, and maybe some remnants of them are still there, and they want to go where you've gone. And so just how you got to that point of making those decisions, sticking to it, it's, it's one thing to talk about theory. It's another thing to talk about a man who has lived it. And so I'm looking forward to hearing your story. And with that, where does this story begin of you finding your way online, us crossing, uh, cross, crossing paths, you know, however your journey began? What did that look like? I don't know if everyone asked you that. Yeah, I mean, um, the biggest thing that I think about was in college, I had my first what I would consider identity crisis. So essentially, I, you know, was uh, grew up, had a, a great life, very competitive in the running scene, got to college, had an injury in my junior year. And I realized that like my PR for the mile is 423 or or 410, like in the real world, none of that matters. And yet I'm pouring dozens of hours a week, training hard, eating correctly, all these different things for this one goal that 
in reality, does that really have a large impact on the the overall of my life? So that was a, a big kind of moment there. Um, that led me into kind of meditation and things and just kind of trying to figure things out, but feeling very lost. And then after leaving college, um, having a close group of friends that I essentially trained with and ran with and did everything with disappeared. Um, and that kind of really got cemented when my uh, best man and my best friend from high school, um, you know, committed suicide when he was 25 and he was in the hometown and I had left to to go strike out a fortune in Charlotte. And uh, that really hit home and understanding that like, we need to have a very clear mission and purpose or else we can get bogged down in, in the darkness. And that was one of those things that continue the search. I do remember running into, I think it was Craig's podcast and the whole idea of holding yourself to a standard from a body fat standpoint, if you can't flex and see your abs, probably need to do something from a physical standpoint. And at this point, uh, I was running ultra marathons and things. So I was very focused on my athletics at that point, um, but at the same time, kind of turning my wheels again, similar to what I had in college of, hey, I've run 50 miles, I've run 62 miles, like, where does this end? And I didn't really have an answer. And that kind of just led up to a lot of um, time doing meditation and sitting and understanding, you know, my perspective on the world. Um, and then I think the big thing and key that I've been working on the last few years is just my identity. And that's something that you can change with intention. Uh, so we have a, a brother in the fraternity ran an identity workshop kind of talking about what values are important to us. And what values we're currently living because there's a difference between saying that you're frugal and there it's a difference between going to the restaurant and choosing you know just a basic meal or cooking at home or taking the time to you know come up with new recipes to make it at home that's going to be more affordable so there's a lot of different ways to live out those values and over time as i got married new identity had children new identity um, I'm getting much better at kind of adapting to that and understanding and being intentional about it and the fraternity has definitely provided a lot of resources for me uh, by reaching out, talking to men, you know, people are further down the road, people are coming up. Um, that's been really big for me. Uh, but that seeking for uh, self-improvement is something I've always had, um, but I've never had necessarily honesty in the feedback from men that are going through the same process. And that's been huge. Uh, one last story I always tell, um, I remember sitting at work in a essentially in a cube with a bunch of people who are are not dialed in or looking to get dialed in or just sedentary and happy where they are. Uh, but I asked 10 people on my team, how many people use an alarm clock? And if you use it more than once, and I was the only person on my team that didn't have an alarm clock. Went ahead, asked fraternity, hey, who's the alarm clock? I mean, less than 20% had it, but most of them, if they did have it, was hitting the off button before it even went off because we're living a life day in and day out of, hey, I go to sleep this time, I get up this time because this is what I need to do to accomplish my goals. And that really kind of solidified the importance of having a group of people who may be contrary thinking to the the general public, because at the end of the day, most people are not happy. If you see somebody that is happy, probably should ask and understand what they're, they're doing differently than the rest. No, that, that's a great foundation to lay out. Like you rolled off the carpet and now let's walk right through it. And so this is the third fraternity Friday. We had Tex, he kicked it off and then John Rennie. And then now we're, I'm speaking with you. And it's interesting because one of the common themes through all of those is you didn't have that type of standard in your, your physical realm. And that's something that, that led me to the formation of this with Craig is I left the military and nobody wanted what I wanted. Nobody was at that level of just wanting to go. And it's one of those things where I didn't want to go down. I'm like, I'm not just going to accept this. And so I'm wondering, what does that look like leaving college? And, and I'm, I'm asking as somebody, I didn't, my, my master's degree is from an online university. I took all my classes online. And so you go to college, you're training with these guys, you've got your team, you graduate, and then you leave to a job. 
Like, how did you leave your group? Because in the military, my contract was over. I moved home. Like, they, I told them where I wanted to live. And so I went back to New England. How did that work for you when you left the team in college or the track team? Yeah. Um, so it was a pretty big challenge. Um, I actually had a girlfriend who's now my wife and mother of my children. I uh, had a brother in Charlotte, and I thought I wanted to be a banker. So we moved 600 miles from home uh, two weeks after I graduated. Uh, so it was a pretty big life change from being on a college campus where essentially, you know, food is there, people are there, resources are there to moving to a new city and, you know, trying to find housing and a new job and all that. So that was pretty big. Uh, honestly, I did not do it in the most healthy way. So still had drinking habits from high school, excuse me, from college um, and, you know, gaming and all these things I used to pacify myself. Um, and then, you know, rubber hits the road, you know, need to have a job, figuring things out. Um, I ended up working at the airport uh, in the, you know, little newsstands there and, you know, had some success there since I, you know, generally try my best and, and stand out, got to move into a leadership position there. Um, but the the hours were crazy, very toxic work life. Uh, so finally, you know, something in me snapped and I said, hey, I need to figure something out. Started talking to people. One of the people I work with had a um, I guess it was a cousin who was a recruiter and helped me get my resume together. And I ended up getting a job at Vanguard. And that was kind of a, a great change because I went from working kind of that um, entry level to a professional works space, which was great. Um, you know, it gave me an opportunity to, to study for some tests, set myself apart with that, um, helping others and just kind of getting some of that. And that only lasted so long though. It was three or four years and then getting burned out and looking for something else. Um, but there weren't a lot of people at my company looking to to do more. And that's where I always find myself of like trying to find, uh, I guess, my group or my clan or something that um, I can be a part of because I've always been a huge team player. Like that's what I yeah. loved about cross country. It didn't matter how fast your first four people was. The, the fifth person is really who makes the team score. There was no individuals. Um, and that's a really great mindset that I love. And I think I've, I've found that with the fraternity as well of, uh, it's a group effort. It isn't you win, I lose, uh, which so many people make it out to be, especially in family situations or friend circles. Um, so I think that would probably be kind of the transition for me. Um, you know, mm -hmm. looking back, I, I wish I did some things differently, but that uh, at the same time, like I've learned a lot of great skills, met a lot of great people. Uh, one of the big things that has impacted my life is financial independence retire early. So throughout my years at Vanguard, I uh, ran into Matthew, who introduced me to this guy who rides his bike everywhere because I was doing triathlons that time. And just the whole idea that you don't have to work to the age 65 just kind of like spoke to me. And I was like, well, what's this? And I dove into that world and, and understanding all that. So there's so many options out there if you're willing to ask the questions, if you're willing to put the work in and then honesty uh, and tell them the truth. And I think that's one thing that uh, Anthony has really drilled into me. I still remember one Tuesday night Zoom where we all get together. Uh, he said, how can somebody love you if they don't truly know you because you're not being honest with them? And that's still to this day, just kind of feeling in my gut of like, if you're not honest with the people around you, you can't truly be accepted by them. And a lot of people don't have people one, that will accept who they are. And then two, they don't know how to be honest with themselves. And having a group of men has given me a space to be able to have that. Um, and I think that's one of the most important things is to know oneself. And it's so easy to lie to yourself these days. It's so easy to be in the top 25%. Um, but to really like be fulfilled and happy and have a mission, you really need to keep diving in and asking those questions over and over and over again. And I, I couldn't agree more 
both of the lesson as well as the pack mentality. You know, you brought that up a few times in the, like in, in private discussions and I'm always like, yes, I, I fully get that. That's how I operate. It's how I think it's a, it's, it's more of a we than a me, but I understand that me has to be strong for the we to be strong, but it's a part of that pack. And so hundred percent aligned there. And then that focus, man, on telling the truth and living authentically, we, we see it happen time and time and time again, where our creators exposed for this, our creators exposed for that. And you look at them and it's like, what, what made you think you had to hide this part of yourself? Let us see that too. You know, our, our perceived flaws, they're features, man. You know, the things that are wrong with you, just share that with somebody. They're like, hey, I can help you fix this. And you see it a lot in the fraternity. You know, you're, you're one of the mentors that helps these guys and they're asking questions. You've been around a long time. You know, you've positioned yourself and they kind of see it and they're up and coming behind you. And when they come out and they say, hey, like, I suck here. Every man there is like, no, that's, that's a strength. What you just did there by saying you're struggling with this thing, that's the hard thing to do. So you're actually stronger than you think, but now we've got to work on it. So it's, it's, you're not strong for saying I'm poor. You're, you're courageous. You know, you're doing very well for, for putting that out there, but now let's work on not being poor or fat or angry or whatever it is they're going through. And so that's something that if you're listening to this, that point needs to be driven home. As Phil said, and Anthony has driven into all of us, you know, you cannot be connected. You cannot be loved. You cannot love another. If you're putting on a show, you'll never fully feel that connection. If they're connecting with a fake you. And you'll know that like subconsciously, you know, they don't love you. They love who you pretend to be or who you think they'll like. And so it's totally different. But as we go through this, you know, there's the loss of your friend. It's obviously a sensitive subject. I mean, that, that's, that's a fucking heavy blow to anybody. How did you find yourself able to come out of that? And, or did you come out of that with a healthy focus on living your best life or looking to remain integrated into people from that moment forward? Because that, that's brutal, man. And you know, that's, that's how my mom lost, you know, I lost her. And when you lose individuals like that, you think about death in a different way. And I'm wondering if that changed your perception and how you grieve that. Yeah, it's a great question. So I'm probably in the minority where I've been around death most of my life. Uh, so when I think about my um, family, um, we're kind of the youngest children on my parents and, and up. So um, I've been to more funerals. I've been a pallbearer more times than I have fingers. So I've been around that experience a lot. I also lost my dad about seven or eight years ago. So I was kind of right around the same time that Dan had passed. Um, so I had definitely had a lot of experience with it. I mean, that's one of those things that I'm looking back grateful for, to be around, to have those conversations, to understand what to say to people and when people say things to you. Uh, to be honest, the first year or two with both of them kind of passing at the same time was quite difficult for me. Uh, you know, drowning myself in in booze, you know, working, um, running, and not really fully processing all of that. Um, and that is one of those things that I think is really important is to have a support network around you that listens to you and doesn't try to fix your problems. Um, but the the grieving process is uh, you know unique for each death that I've experienced. Um, but at the same time, um, I, I joke uh, along with my dad passing at 60 and his brother um, at uh, 57 or 58, um, you know, I'm in my 30s now. I'm on the second half. Um, I remember going out. Um, I've always wanted to get my carrying permit here in North Carolina. I wanted to get a motorcycle license. Um, there was a few things I wanted to do that I was putting off until later. And within two weeks um, of making that decision, I went out, signed up for all the courses and, you know, went out and got a motorcycle and, and living life to the fullest. And um, also having those conversations with other people. So in my early 30s, a lot of people I know have not experienced death. So I'm somebody who is there to kind of help shepherd people through that process as well. Um, so I'm just using that as you know another part of my identity, another source of 
you know, ways of connecting with others. Um, but yeah, it definitely had a, uh, an impact on me and trying to figure out, you know, the importance of that. Unfortunately, my dad, I uh, never got to meet my kids. Dan never got to meet my kids. That's one thing that, you know, I really look back and, you know, wish I had different conversations with those uh, individuals and those types of things. But at the same time, like I do use it as fuel fear. You know, there aren't people who can go out and run. There aren't people who can lift. There's not people who can do jujitsu um, in my life or, or used to be in my life. So that is definitely important to me. And it also helps, I think, frame my legacy for my children. So I have two boys, five and two, and they're very important to me. And I've, you know, already started documenting things I want to teach them and things I want to share. I've built out a library for them. So it's definitely had a, a big impact on me. Uh, one of the things I still remember Dan uh, yelling at me when we were in our late teens of just like, you're so selfish, Philip, and just like telling me that. And he had just a different perspective on the world and was honest with me where nobody else was. And that's still to this day. I mean, I still remember that conversation. It's probably helped driven some of the, you know, desire to help others in my life and desire to continue to to find things that I love and be passionate about and share that with the world. You know, and in, in that question, you sort of bring, brought us to another one that I have for you. And so I believe it was Tanner Guzzi who first cemented the idea that when you look at certain people, you can tell when something happened to them, either when they formed their identity or when, when something traumatic happened, because that's when they stopped evolving and their clothes match that time period. So he can say, all right, in high school, you were emo. And that's why as a 35 year old man, you're wearing all black and you're still wearing slipknot and all this, like that something happened there. You defined you, or you went through a divorce. Now you're swinging your way back. And now you're wearing all these like affliction shirts or something to show that you're a badass. You're back in the game. You know? And I thought that was very interesting, you know, but looking at that and hearing what you just said, kind of combining those, you've continued to evolve. You've continued to grow. And so I used to know you as the runner, you know, and then I knew you as the photographer and now you're the guy who's choking people out in the mats at all of our events. You're like, Hey, I'm bringing the mats. And are you bring the boxing gloves. And it's like, well, now you're the guy who chokes people out for fun. And so how have you been able to maintain that? Because a lot of men don't, they, they get stuck and stagnant and they have a very hard time changing or breaking from that routine often to their detriment. Yeah. I mean, uh, I have to credit my dad, uh, for a lot of this. Uh, so I'm a lifelong learner and that's something I absolutely love. Uh, anytime I think of my dad in my childhood, he was reading either the newspaper or a book. Um, he was, you know, or excuse me, high school education. Uh, he was a construction worker. He drove truck, uh, you know, as, as blue collar as you could get. But he was well informed on many topics. And he was one of those individuals who asked a lot of questions. Um, and it's just one of those things that's always stood with me. I always want to learn. I always want to, you know, try something new. Um, I think the important thing is to understand why you're doing things. So for example, I was a runner because I felt most free. It was uh, an amazing way to get around. It was a community I knew. Uh, after joining the fraternity, you know, going out to Colorado for our first meetup, I met Nick and I was like, wow, this guy is badass. Like he has a blue belt and he is confidence, the way he walks, the way he knows how to handle himself um, that you can only get from... I. I in my experience, uh, combat sports, where you're put in uncomfortable situations, your adrenaline spiking on a regular basis, and you need to learn to breathe. Um, and that led me to, you know, want to do that. Um, photography was one of those things that um, saw someone fly a drone. And I was like, that's cool. And then I was like, I can't afford $800. Do I make money off this? Um, and then I got a drone. And I'm like, oh, I need to edit photos. Like, and I need to learn to take pictures. Like, this is a whole new thing. So I just dove in, did online courses, uh, got involved in local communities with other photographers and things. And I think that's um, an important part of it too, is that community. I uh, learned to ride motorcycles in my late twenties. Most of the guys, you know, I've been riding for years and years and years. And I'm like, I've never done this. So trying to find somebody who I can 
uh, learn from and that can mentor me is really important. Um, I find that. Uh, but the biggest thing too is just that identity of, hey, this is what I want to do and why. And that's what allows me to continue to to do that, um, setting small goals along the way. Um, I, I do do some journaling and some goal setting. Um, I find to be helpful as well. Um, but it's one of those things where if you, again, being honest with yourself, uh, are you really enjoying your day to day? Are you happy doing the things you're doing? When you get to the weekends, is it, you know, oh, I just need to let down? Or is it, oh, I'm really excited about the weekends because I get to go, you know, run around the lake for 24 hours um, and have, you know, that experience with others. And it's really just engaging in life. I feel like there's the the easy way, which is, you know, whatever comes next and not being intentional. So it's it's easy to grab the the potato chips. It's easy to watch football on Sundays. It's easy to sleep in, um, being intentional about waking up early and taking your dog for a walk, being intentional about meal prepping. Like these are all things that have helped me be successful in the goals I've set. Um, and by no means have I reached all them, but it's one of those things where um, really digging in and being curious and wanting to learn more has, has served me well in those things. Um, I mean, I've been switched careers at age 33, went from being a financial advisor into the world of IT and learning a whole new language and new people and personalities and, you know, technology. It's been a wild ride, but to me, it's, it's interesting. Um, and again, that comes back to reading a lot, consuming content, but also putting it into action. And a lot of that was my dad, just seeing him, you know, continuously reading and things like that and, you know, making time for those activities that you, know, you need to be intentional about. That's awesome. And shout out to all involved fathers. Hell yes. <laughs> you know where I stand on that. Yeah. And as, as you're saying this, you know, I know the role FOE has played in it, but I'm wondering, and there are men here who are like joining an online group. It still has that like weird thing. Did you have any pushback or in the beginning, was there a different reception to being in FOE compared to now after you've made these changes, whether with your wife or your friends or whomever you talk to about the group? Has, has that shifted at all over the years? Yeah. Um, I, I think you know, when you say you're going to pay money to do something, uh, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you're paying to have friends or whatever. Um, I mean, it's always that. <laughs> I hear that every single time. man. I'm like, that's not what it is. <laughs> um, I think that is the perception. Um, it, in my life personally, like my wife, there was some pushback for it um, until, you know, I started providing receipts, taking ownership of my actions and all these things. And I mean, it's been four plus years and she still jokes that it's a cult. Um, and you know, it's one of those things where it's like every Tuesday night I'm on a zoom every Thursday night, I'm talking fatherhood and these things, um, I've prioritized. I remember last spring still, uh, when we did the fitness competition, uh, for the most, I was about to bring that up. So take it aesthetics. Away. <laughs> um, you know, all of a sudden I'm getting up and like, I need an hour every morning to go to the gym in our garage and work out. I need you to cover for the boys. And, you know, there was a lot of flack, um, until, you know, 60 days in now, all of a sudden, like we have our routine, everything's working. And then this summer she's getting into the gym as well. And it's just been, you know, a, a great way to kind of lead from the front. Um, so that's one aspect. Yeah, absolutely. You know, wives should do that. I think it's their job to make sure that we are on mission and, you know, checking in and making sure that this is really important to us. And then from the outside, it's it's been hard to describe what the group is because originally it was an online group until we went to Colorado and we've had a number of meetups um, locally and you know across the country. It's been great to get to actually know people and take action in the world. Um, and then just kind of like describing this to someone is very hard. Um, so personally, I'm starting uh, a group locally because I would love to have more strong fathers and families around me. So I've kind of started that process at my local church the Brotherhood of Shepherds. And that's been uh, eye-opening and how challenging it can be to get people to engage. Uh, but when I talk about my experience, you know, a lot of people see me now 
in the last year and are like, oh, wow, you're put together, you have all this stuff. I'm like, this is not who I was, you know, four years ago. Like, there's a lot of change. Like, I've learned uh, jujitsu. I've learned to lift. I've learned to dial in my diet. I've learned how to have active listening conversations with my wife and just setting one night a week aside for the two of us just to talk. And she'll write everything down. And then Tuesday nights, we get together and we go through the list together. And like these small things seem really small, but have had a huge impact on who I am and the relationships I have. Um, fatherhood as well is one of those things where, you know, people joke about it a lot of guys of like, oh, my kid's so annoying or like all this other stuff. And I know they're kind of joking, but at the same time, like they're obviously irritated or upset about something and they don't have a means to learn or to have an honest conversation around. Them. I still remember Anthony asked me if I'm going to hit my kids when he's, you know, 18 months old. And I'm like, I don't know. And when you have an answer like that, you know, it kind of wakes you up. So I went and read seven different parenting books in a year. I don't know anybody else in my real life that's read that many parenting books. I've gone back and re-listened to them or, or reread them a number of times since then. It's one of those things where, um, you know, it's it's hard to describe uh, at the end of the day. But to me, uh, it's family now. Uh, you know, I've just went down to Buford and um, had two other families that got together with my wife and we had dinner together. And it was kind of like, you know, getting the cousins together and checking in on how everyone's doing and uh, introducing the wives and the kids and seeing that it's not just a face on the screen, but like these are real men and women and children doing things in the world. Um, and, you know, when you're on a common mission to, you know, have a great life and, and help others, you know, it, it just feels good. Um, so, yeah, at, at now I, I talk about it as, you know, this is the fraternity. These are my brothers. Uh, I can tell you anything about them. Um, and now I'm trying to bring that a little bit more to my local community and help as well, because I think it's really a huge need, especially at the pandemic. Me and my pastor have talked about this in numerous times. Uh, all the women's groups have already started back up. They got their book clubs, their Bible studies, you know, they're helping uh, the, the unsheltered neighbors in the community. And then there's like no men's group. And I literally started my church a year ago. And in March, they approached me about setting something up because I clearly am passionate about this. And, you know, now we're doing monthly breakfasts and we're getting guys engaged um, you know, it really blew me away. We did our first kickoff in September and then we had some things come up, but um, we really haven't had anything going until this month. And one of the guys who did come to that first one said, yeah, now five different people or families come up and say hi to us every Sunday. And no one ever used to do this. And it's like these very small things that to me seem so simple for me to, you know, set up a breakfast and get people together and ask, you know, basic questions like, who is your role model? Like, how are you sleeping? When have you felt most free in life? Like questions we talk about on a daily basis in this community are, are never asked outside um, these walls. And it's that whole surface level. I think it was Andrew Huberman that says, if you want to get to know someone at the surface level, ask how they are. If you want to get to know someone deeply, ask them how they sleep. And that's just like one of those questions where you'll find out a lot more about somebody and trying to find spaces where we can go deep um, is very rare today. It's so much headlines, Instagram, this is my best life, or like the far other extreme of like, look how terrible my life is. I'm a victim. Like extremes tend to not be very healthy for long periods of time. And I think with a group like the Fraternity of Excellence, you have an opportunity to have that space where you can be vulnerable people listen to you. They're not going to take pity on you. They're going to expect you to go ahead and figure out what's wrong and then take those action steps and hold you accountable. And that's just, you know, literally have changed trajectory of my life, my wife's life, my kid's life, the people around me's lives. Like it's amazing how much help you can provide when you are a strong mission driven man. That was very well said. During that, I realized I would not do well in poker. Because I'm sitting here like moving around my chair. Like I'm, you can tell when I'm pumped up because you're saying this, like you're talking about the books, that whole shelf right there, parenting books, you know, that I've read, not just bought yeah. uh, and applied, not just read through and absorbed. 
you know, looking at this and just that entire message, first off, the Brotherhood of Shepherds, the bros, I could, I'm so impressed with that name. Like, I, I think I told you the first time I heard it, like, I dig that so much. But the fact that you, you learn lessons in the community. So in the fraternity, you saw like, all right, this is a good thing. How can I make this thing go here where I'm at in the real world? Dude, I love that so much because that's what this is all about. It's about taking like here, here's where we circle around. Now take that and spread it. You know, we, we call like, sometimes they say the world is dark. Well, what we're doing in FOE, you know, light those torches up and then bring it to the world, light it up. It doesn't have to be dark. And like you're saying about those families talking to you, it, it starts small. That wasn't happening before, but now families are talking. How long before the families are getting together? And then more communal things are happening. Think about us on Twitter, working our way up to like a, a random forum, which actually became a, a structured forum. And now here's video chats. All right, now let's get our families together to have meals and meet up and let's go do things ourselves and challenge ourselves. That's the evolution. That's why when people talk to me and I have this very positive outlook on the world, I'm very optimistic on things because I believe one, good will always win. And two, I'm seeing signs with the people that I hang out with, growth, improvement, and opportunity. And so we're in a world where there's inflation meets recession meets potential war. And I'm sitting here like, I'm living my best life. Let's go, guys. Let's do what we need to do. I'm surrounded by men who are also doing the same. It's not to, to have your head in the sand. In fact, it's to have your head looking all around you, 360, and taking it in and saying, all right, I see this. I'm aware. And here's what I'm doing. Here's what I can control. The distractions, leave them be and focus, focusing on you. That's what I see you doing. And I just love to see that you brought that to the community because it's not an electronic group any longer. You're right. We are now a group. We meet online for sure, but we also meet weekly in person. People are meeting up somewhere, grabbing a cigar, grabbing dinner. And so watching that grow, it's been very impressive. And I'm wondering, and, and this is one of the things I wanted to ask you too, as you've gone through this evolution and you find yourself connecting with these other men, what would you say is the reservation that men have when you approach them and, and talk about what you have going on? I know what my issues are with, with fraternity. You know, the, like you, you mentioned a few. I don't want to pay for friendship. It's like, all right, you don't fully understand. So let me better educate you on what this is. What have you run into in person? And because again, somebody listening to this, they might not have anything to do with the fraternity, but they want to build something for themselves. And so I'm wondering what your hangups are and how maybe these men, if they apply and they run into that same wall, can overcome it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so actually, you introduced me to someone from Twitter that had questions about starting a men's group at their church. And we kind of had this whole conversation about it. Um, I think... For me, it's very difficult meeting people where they are, and it's something I'm aware of. But, um, you know, me and you are very passionate about what we do, and we want to go deep on things. And a lot of times you meet people who are not aware of their current state, and I will challenge them on something or ask them a question about it, and either they're, they can't answer it or they give me a generic answer. And sometimes that can turn people off. Um, I can't remember who I was uh, listening to, but there was the idea of for someone to actually make a change. There needs to be you know, possibly three to six months of processing. So like, for example, if you're going to buy a car. Like you don't just wake up one morning and be like, I'm going to go buy a car. Like there's a reason you need a car. And like, there's all these steps to get there. Um, and I'm just a little bit challenged by like moving people along those beginning steps. Cause I'm ready to see the change. I'm ready to support you when you change. I'm ready to, you know, be accountable for you. Like there's so many things I can help you once you make the decision to change. And unfortunately, a lot of people are not quite ready for that. And I think part of that is one, uh, you know, the standard is very low. So we have talked about a few times um, within at least my experience of the community of the church community. Um, you know, a lot of the men are not doing bad. They're neutral, but they're not like, also they're not making that change in the world. 
And I'm working with a lot of people who are on that neutral, you know, they're not beating their kids or anything like that, but at the same time, like they're an absentee father or they're not mm-hmm. providing support to their wife and kind of broaching those subjects and trying to drill deep and allow them to kind of come to that awareness is a, it's a challenge I have. Um, I mean, we're also fighting against a lot, like technology companies are really good at getting you to look at a screen and it's really easy to do that. And, you know, go camping solo so I can get that time away and just sit. And it's so tempting just to like pull out your phone and listen to music or listen to a podcast, but to actually have that time to sit and reflect and kind of re baseline your, your dopamine systems and all the, the chemical things. Like it's very hard to do that without being intentional about it. Um, so I think those are, are, challenges that we see, I, I think the way to overcome them is to continue to spread the message and set an example. Um, so like working directly with my pastors over the last year, they've gotten to know me very well. Um, you know, they've given me the leeway to start a men's group uh, at their church. And that's just an example of when you have a mission and you're executing on it, you know, people are going to want to support you. And we've definitely seen some guys evolve and I'm getting to meet different individuals. Um, but I think the biggest thing that I need to work on, and I think from a, a men's group is just, it can be intimidating to approach a bunch of dialed in guys. Like I think about um, our last meetup and we had a brand new uh, fraternity member, you know, join like <laughs> a week awesome. before and shows up <laughs> and it's like, he has no idea what to expect. And we got guys dialed in, you know, we got the millionaires, we got people who are wildly fit. We got like just amazing guys to be around. And we had such a great weekend. And it was like Saturday night. We're like, where did the last two days go? Um, and for a lot of people, it's difficult. Like we had a guy who was not used to affection and guys are hugging them. And then you got people who, you know, aren't comfortable speaking in front of groups and we're throwing them up in front of, you know, 30 guys who are dialed in. And it's just, um, it, it's a challenge and not everyone is ready or, or, or willing to accept the challenge. And I think, our role and responsibility is to set that standard and challenge, but also be supportive and be able to provide resources for men who do actually want to make that change. Um, and regardless, um, you know, the whole throwing ropes thing um, is is a huge challenge. There's, there's men in my life that I've thrown hundreds of ropes to, and I want them to change and they haven't. And that is uh, something that I've drowned in for a while. Um, but I think I, I found some balance there continuing to be who I am, continuing to be, um, you know, a leader of my family, allowing my family to continue to mature and choosing who and when we spend time with folks. Um, and I think that's been very difficult um, for my wife, at least just as a relationship person, it's hard to say goodbye to somebody. And I always say goodbye too soon with folks and just trying to find that balance. But I, I think it's important just that you have to ask yourself, you know, are you happy day to day? Not like, oh, when I actually sit down and think I'm grateful for, you know, I have a house, a car, a job, that's great. But like day in and day out, are you happy with your relationships? Are you happy with what you're doing? Are you happy with your body? And if you're not asking those questions on a regular basis, um, you know, that's the first place to start with that. No, again, well said. And looking at it, the compassion fatigue, I dropped a piece recently about directly that, you know, helping others without hurting yourself. That was, that was a piece to me. You know, a lot of things I go through, it's like I've either faced this and had to overcome it or I've worked intimately with somebody who has and it impacted me to the point where I'm like, I need to share this. And so that one, I would say that is my that was my hardest one, even even to this day now in FOE. If, if a man's not doing something I think he should be doing and I know would be good for him, I take that on. I'm like, I really have to find this is your thing to work through. I'm here for you, but I can't do this for you. And so that that is a difficult one. And so anybody that's looking to help men understand you. You cannot force them to improve. You can just consistently be there for them and ready to support when they're ready to join you and just keep being that example. But Philip, 
I have steered this conversation. Was there anything you wanted to hit or share that we have not touched on yet? Uh, I think we've hit most of it. I mean, my biggest thing that I um, have been trying to, to advocate for is uh, we kind of talked about the, the honesty, but also like a growth mindset. So if I look back on my, my darker days and things, um, you know, I've struggled with weight, alcohol, poor relationships, um, you know, jobs I'm not happy with, all of that can change. Um, and I think it's really important to understand that um, you have the capacity to do that. And, and all it does is take that decision. Uh, I think uh, this Tuesday, we were talking about it from a mindset standpoint, like you can decide who you want to be today and change. It, it is not difficult, but it is not easy either. But making that decision and challenging yourself to actually act on it, I think, yeah, it, it's so, so important. Um, and Again, there are groups like this out here, whether it's our group, a local group, anything, please get help, please get support. You can be what you want to be. And this that fact that today and who you are can change tomorrow. Like identity is something that can change. It's not fixed. And I think for so many folks, it's fixed. Uh, you know, I'm a ex fan because my dad was, and that's who I'll always be. Or I am a runner and everyone's still from my early life knows me as a runner and they like can't believe I went a whole year without running. And then the next year I trained six weeks and ran 62 miles in a day. So like there's things that you can draw on. And it's not that I've, I'm not a runner anymore, but that's not my current identity. My current focus has changed and that's okay. You know, you have kids, you have a new job, things change over time and you can't be afraid of change. And that's what the one thing that um, I really love and uh, did want to follow up of the confidence that I have to be able to meet any challenge going forward is completely different today than it was a year ago or five years ago, if I was to lose my job today, you know, it would suck. Things would get tight, but I have a group of men that I know will support me. I know I have the skills and the ability to go out and get a new job. I know that I have the confidence to continue to have my family look towards me, even though something like that happened. If there's a natural disaster, if X, Y, or Z happens, I have this abundance of confidence now that I've never had before. Uh, similar to when you're a kid and your dad can do anything. Like that's what I feel like now. And it is empowering and amazing. Um, it's a lot of responsibility, but at the same time, like, again, it's from that ability to know that I can change and that I can adapt to whatever comes. So just challenge anyone out there. Think about that. If that resonates with you, if it doesn't, why doesn't it? And then go from there. The message is rock solid, man. And when you're talking about being the runner and now, like, I remember you then and looking at you now, like you, you had a runner's body. You had a runner physique, you had a runner mindset. And looking at you now, you look like Jake Gyllenhaal from Southpaw. Like you, I don't even know if you have a neck anymore. It's just like straight trap to your head, which is a good thing, man. You look tough, but honestly, I'm glad you brought that up, man, because everything you said, absolutely, you know, hundred percent endorsed. And the fact that you said having a group, whether it be fraternity of excellence or something you form or your church has that that's an accelerant upon it because you're there, but now you've got eyes on you and it just accelerates the process. So I, I completely agree, man. I think just instilling that brotherhood, is what helps men stay on the path. And there are times where you want to quit, but sometimes it's just knowing somebody else is waiting for you the next day to be at the gym that you're like, oh, I have to get up. I have, that dude's going to be there. I need to be there for him. And so it's not that you're relying upon them, but you have formed a bond and there's nothing wrong with men having bonds that elevate them to being better. There's nothing wrong with you for having a team that makes you a better person. That, that's, that used to be the norm. And that's what we're looking to bring back. And so Philip, the closing question I ask everybody on these Fraternity Fridays. I'm not sure if you're ready for it yet, but why do you continue to remain an active member in the fraternity? 
Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm a lifer. I went all in. Uh, I was going to bring it up. <laughs> I'm glad you did. Um, forever. I, I want to see my sons join. Uh, for me, um, I, I understand the value of having a, a network of men that you can be honest with, whether it's in person, online. There is not a subject that I don't feel confident I could get an answer, whether, you know, I was building my own computer and, you know, <laughs> things started sparking and I threw it in the Slack and within 30 minutes, uh, got some advice, got it fixed up. I never built a computer before, but you know, it's something I wanted to do. Um, you know, whether it's fitness relationships, um, it's just having somebody there that understands you, I think is really important. Uh, and I continue to grow and get value from it. Um, I personally feel like I'm starting to get to that point where I really do want to help the new folks coming in. Um, I have leveled up in a lot of different areas and I forget that sometimes. Um, I know AA talks about this a lot. Like when you first come in, like it's just about you. And then you're working with somebody. And then after a year, it's like, hey, you're going to forget what it was like day one. So you need to go back and work with somebody who is on day one or or day zero even. And re remember that year after year and remember that day after day of where you've come from, where you are, and then where you're going and you know, trying to find that balance. So I'll be here uh, until I die. And uh, proud to say that um, it's going to be a hell of a wake uh, at the end of the the end of the day but um yeah it's one of those things that it, it's only continued to evolve we've had our challenges i remember a few different incidents where we're just uh you know been challenged as a group but at the end of the day we're here for a common purpose and we're still continuing to get value out of it um and yeah i'm looking forward to it we just need to get a few more guys into the, the carolina so we can have some bigger yeah. local meetups and uh <laughs> keep going no that's awesome man you know until the wheels fall off brother that's where we're at this if you guys have enjoyed this episode i've got links to all of philip's content below so you can check them out. If you have any questions for them, you can hit them up. Uh, but this has been another episode of the Family Alpha Podcast. And again, like all episodes, I want to end this with a reminder that if you enjoyed what you listened here, it, it's great to like, it's great to share it, like hell yeah on the analytics. But the most important thing to me is that you go out and apply it. Take what you learned here and put it into motion in your life. That's the great, greatest thank you you can give me. That's the greatest thanks you can give Philip. Just start being another man out there who's lighting that torch and brightening up the world. Take it and apply it. And if you need the help, Fraternity Friday. It's from the Fraternity of Excellence. These are the real men doing the real work and it's creating real results in their life. And in that process, real bonds are being forged. So thanks for tuning in. You guys have a great one. You've just finished another episode of the Family Alpha Podcast. Now go out and apply what you've learned and be sure to follow Zach on Twitter and Instagram at Zach Small underscore. Also, be sure to check out Zach's work at thefamilyalpha.com and his private men's community, thefraternityofexcellence.com.